Yivamos, Perik Base, Mishnah Yud, 2.10. And one more Mishnah, continuing this topic of uh, marriages that perhaps one should not enter into because it looks bad. The Mishnah here, the case is, you have a woman who took a neder, a vow, not to have a relationship with her husband. And the husband, after hearing such a thing, would be empowered to do what's called hafaras nadarm, to mayfair that neder, to, um, to cancel it based on the fact that it's a neder that's beno levena, it affects the relationship, and therefore the Torah allows him to cancel, mefer, that neder. However, if the husband fails to cancel it on the day he hears about it, so then it now is going to stand. Now, a woman and a man can't be married if she has forbidden herself to have a relationship with them, and therefore the next step would be to go to a chacham, a expert on annulment of vows, and get him to do hataras nadarm, to be matir, to annul the vow. Now, to annul a vow requires uh, that the the expert find what's called a pesach, a way of saying that if she would have considered all the factors at the time she made the vow, she would have never made it in the first place, she just didn't think it through, and therefore it's annulled you know, retroactively. Now, our case is a woman took such a vow, they, she now finds herself in front of the Chacham, and she is requesting that he be matter the nether to annul the vow, but he says it can't be done. He says, nope, you're stuck, you can't break the vow you made against your husband, which then necessarily would equal the husband not being to have a relationship with the wife, and therefore the husband divorcing his wife, making the woman now be a divorcee and making her available for marriage. So the point of our Mishnah is, in this first sentence, that such a Chacham, who played such a role, should not go and now marry that woman because tongues will wag. People will say, you know, the only reason he didn't manage to find her a Pesach and let her continue her marriage is because he wanted to marry her. So therefore the Mishnah is going to advise that they shouldn't get married, but like in the previous Mishnahs here as well, if they do get married, the marriage will stand. And I said that all outside because it's not quite so easy to see in the words, but I'll read the words now. The first line of the Mishnah says, Hechacham, if you have... Uh, expert in the annulment of vows, Sha'asr Esaisha Beneder Albala, who allows the prohibition of the woman's vow that she took to persist. He says it can't be annulled. So now she is forced to get divorced. So such a chacham should now not go and marry this divorced woman because it looks very suspicious and people will say bad things. Now, the reason why this is the case, and it was really the case in the previous Mishnahs as well, is because people will suspect him of, you know, contriving a situation whereby he's able to marry the, this woman. If the Chacham weren't acting alone, and in fact, when it comes to Hataras Nadarim, releasing annulment of vows, so there are two formats in which it can take, either with the individual expert, the Chacham of our Mishnah here, the Mumcha, usually he's referred to as, um, or it can be done in front of a Bezdin of three. And those three people can be Hediotos, even not really experts in the laws of annulment of vows. Now, if you had three people serving on this, this rabbinic court and they couldn't find a Pesach, they couldn't allow her to annul her vow, so then she would end up getting divorced, then we would not say that one of the members of that panel of three of Dayanam can't marry her because the assumption is, and this is really the assumption of the whole Mishnah here, a person wouldn't do an Avera if he gets no benefit from it. So there's no reason to assume that one of the members of the panel 
would be able to collude with another member to get him to refuse to give this woman uh, an element of her vow just so one of them could get married. Why would the other guy do that terrible crime? And therefore, although the Mishnah doesn't say it, but this is the din, and this is important for the next lines of the Mishnah, if he would have acted as part of a Bezid of three, so then any one of them now can go and marry her because it doesn't look suspicious at all. There's no reason to assume there was some kind of collusion going on. And therefore the Mishnah says, if you have other kinds of, I'll call them marriages, that are, that loosely speaking marriages, that are um, dissolved thanks to a, a Bezdin of three, so now the members of the Bezdin are permitted to now marry the women who are the results of which these women are available to marry somebody, they could be the ones to marry her. So the two cases in the Mishnah are, one is Me'ana, and the second is Oshechalza Bifanav. Me'un, you'll recall, is when you have an orphan girl who gets married off rabbinically by her mother or brother. So if she goes to a Bezin of three and says, I don't like my would-be husband, that just annuls the whole marriage. It never was. So that girl's now free. And similarly, a Chalza, that's a Chalitza case. We know the case there. So the widow goes with her brother-in-law to the Bezdin and says, he won't marry me, and she takes off his shoes, spits on the floor, and now she's free to marry whoever she wants. The Zika's undone. So we're saying those two things happen in front of a Bezdin, the Miun and the Chalitza, and any of the Dianum of three who were present there are permitted, as the Mishnah says, Yisa'ena, they may marry her, the orphan girl or the Chalitza, because he is acting as part of a larger bezin of three, and as a bezin of three, there's no reason to assume that any one of them would get the other two to collude, or even one of them to collude. Um, there's nothing in it for them. Okay. Now the next line of the Mishnah says, v'chulan, and all of these. So really when we say all of these, we don't just mean the chacham. Um, we also mean the previous cases, where we say they should not get married, but if they do they can stay married. So that would include not just the Chacham who couldn't find a Pesach, but also the person who brought in Mishnah Tess, who brought, who was the messenger boy, he was the Shliach who brought the get from overseas, as well as the person who reported that this woman is now a, a widow because her husband died. He witnessed it. Either he witnessed it firsthand. He said those three people, um, the Shliach, the person who reports on her, and the Chacham who couldn't find the Pesach for the releasing of the netter. Those three shouldn't marry, but if they do marry this woman, they could stay married to her. So the Mishnah further says for those cases, we actually have three v'chulans, but the first is v'chulan shayu lehem nashim. If those three people were married to a different woman at the time that they brought the get or they reported on her, this woman's husband's death or they acted as the chacham and didn't find a way to release her vow, if they had wives already, umesu, and then their, that their existing wives died, then mutaros linasalem. Now these people who played these roles could marry the woman that they were instrumental in freeing up to be available to be married, because we don't assume a person who's got one wife is gonna and then is gonna do all this, you know, collusion to get this other wife. Now you will note, first of all, the Ferris Rail points out, of course, that in the time of the Mishnah, people were allowed to have more than one wife, but it wasn't actually a very common practice. Um, in fact, if you look throughout the Mishnayos, um, really the entire Talmud, as far as I know, you won't find any anecdote anywhere of anybody having more than one wife, with the exception of where they engineered to have a second wife for some halachic purpose. So it really was very uncommon. In any case, um, you'll note that it says here that the person who, let's say the Chacham, who was married at the time when he forced this, woman to, this other woman to get divorced, so he was married already, it says, Vemesu, and his first wife dies. 
So that the deal we made there is if he divorces that first wife, he shouldn't then go, he may not he should not go and marry this other woman because that sort of looks like it could be a contrived situation. He freed up this woman to be married and then divorced his first wife so he can grab this woman as a second wife. But if the woman dies, the first wife, then there's no reason to assume that he engineered that. The second Vuchulan is similarly those three scenarios. Vuchulan Shinisula Khirim. If in the interim they married somebody else, Vinisgarshu and then got divorced, Oceans Amanu or became widowed, then Mutarsinasalan, then the guy who was instrumental in her being freed up from her first husband could marry her. So I'll give one case just to understand. They're all the same, basically. This fellow comes into Bezid and says, here's a get to free, to, that Mrs. A is now divorced from her husband, Mr. A. So now we said she, he, the Shaliach, shouldn't marry her. But our mission now is saying, if she gets married to Mr. B, unrelated party, and then after that, that marriage dissolves, either because Mr. B divorced her or Mr. B died. So now the Shaliach, who separated, who was instrumental in her getting divorced from her first husband, can now go and marry her. Because again, since there was an intervening marriage, there's no reason to assume there's some kind of collusion or some kind of you know contrivance here to make that happen. Okay. And the third case is v'chulan mutaros levneim olachayan. While we said that these three guys, the shliach, etc., the, ch- the chacham shouldn't marry this woman. That has nothing to do with this fellow's brothers or his sons. So that means there's no reason why a person can't be a shaliach for the divorce of this woman, and then the next day his brother or his son marry her. Because again, same assumption operating, that we don't assume a person would do this kind of avera and ruin this marriage that's not even divorced, um, just so his son can get the benefit, or brother can get the benefit of, of grabbing this woman. And with that, we finish the second parak. I'm, I'm going to just sum up something from the second parak so you can hang, stop now listening if you've, everything's clear. I want to summarize really, we've seen then in the second parak there were kind of three levels of marriages, if you will. The first level of marriage, um, is a marriage where the Kedushin Enon Tosin, they simply can't get married because there's an, you know, Torah penalizes this marriage under a penalty of Karas, and therefore if he gives a ring to his mother or his sister or his daughter, they're not married. Level one. Level two, we saw, there, well, there's the 2A and 2B. We saw that either it's rabbinically forbidden to them to get married, like for example, a person's grandmother, the Torah didn't mention the grandmother's in Erva, but she's a Shniya Latuma, as the Mishnah referred to it, it's Isure Mitzvah. Um, and also we had 2B, these Isure Kedusha, where the rabbis, it's, it's the Torah forbade the marriage, but not under penalty of karis, like for example, marrying the Mamzer or the Nasin, or we had the cases of the Kohen marrying the divorcee, or the Kongodal marrying the widow. The Torah says those marriages shouldn't happen. But if they do happen, there's no penalty of karis, and the marriages actually persist. In such a scenario, the rabbis will force a divorce. Um, even though they're legally married midoraisa, the rabbis will force a divorce, and the same goes therefore if they violated some rules about even when they shouldn't have done even, but they did anyways, will force a divorce if we know there was a, a certain, we're certain that some rabbinic violation occurred. Then the third category in the last couple of Mishnahs we had was that the rabbis are saying they shouldn't get married in the first place um, because it looks bad and people will gossip, but if they do get married, we will not, um, will not force them to get divorced.